Hello, everyone. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. We are here again with another episode of A Turn of Events, where we help put a positive spin on the future of your business. I'm Annette Nave. I am the CEO and Creative Director of Nave Productions. We are a strategic event planning company based in New York City. We are doing lots of virtual events. So if you have a live event and you don't know how to turn it into a virtual event, please contact us. We would love to talk to you about it, give you some advice or help you with the full production. I also have a Facebook group that I have started for event planners. So if you are an event planner or you want to be an event planner and you want to start your own event planning business, join us over at Event Planner Society. We're going to be giving some great tips, lots of information. I'm going to be doing a free workshop, which is going to give lots of information on pricing and marketing and all kinds of great stuff. So Event Planner Society, join us over there. My guest today is amazing. She is the Amanda Levin. She is the founder and of Ruler Branded Entertainment, a distinguished marketing and creative consultancy servicing the entertainment, event, and brand industries. We are going to talk all kinds of things about sponsorships, how to get sponsorships like a pro. Let's welcome Amanda to the show. How are you, my dear? I'm fine. Thank you. How are you? I'm awesome. I'm also a fellow redhead. Got to keep it here in the family. Absolutely. Why don't you tell everyone about your background, where you came from, how you got to where you are today? Great. I started off, I grew up in New York City. Um, mm-hmm. still live here. I uh, started off in the music industry. So I spent a lot of years in the music industry, started off interning in the mailroom, was an assistant for many years, and then ended up running, worked my way up into running, touring and artist development for major record labels. In 2006, I'd had enough. I didn't like the way artists were being treated and the industry was changing. And I left and went to go work for brand and marketing agencies where I headed up entertainment sponsorships and partnerships for clients like Diageo and Church and Dwight and Crayola, not in, just in the music space, but events, festivals, conferences, celebrity lifestyle space. Long story shortish, about eight years ago, I opened up my own boutique firm that I'm crazy in love with called Ruler Branded Entertainment. And mainly I focus in three areas. I work with talent of all kinds, helping find ambassadorships and endorsement deals and events to speak at or cook at or perform at. I do some product placement and integration in music videos, film and TV. Mm-hmm. But mainly what I do and what I love doing 99% of the time is I help events, conferences, organizations, festivals, concerts, find sponsorships and partnerships. So that's a little bit about what I do. And we can discuss what sponsorships and partnerships are for yeah, We are definitely going to talk about that. So that's great. We have a similar background. We've talked about this before. I also worked in uh, film and television, but in the music industry, which I, I don't know if many people know that, I did events and, and uh, legal work in at EMI Music. So I worked with lots of artists and that lots of artists yeah. contracts and things like that. So I know what that industry is like. It is a little crazy. And this was in, let's see, I moved here in 2000. So I would say like 2000, around the same time, four or five. I, I, I was from the 90s to obviously 2006. So I was, I was there for a while. I loved it. I loved working in the music yeah. industry. What I wanted to do my whole life. Ended up, my first concert was Barry Manilow. I was four. So I actually ended up being in the live music portion of it. And I loved it. I adored it. Um, It was just time to move on. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to take a break from it. When I was in film and television, I was like, oh, I'm going to try music. 
Right. Different world, but definitely, uh, definitely interesting for sure. Okay. So let's talk about, we're going to talk about sponsorships. Okay. So what are sponsorships and why would we need sponsorships? Yeah. So basically sponsorships are either companies or people coming in to support, preferably financially, but sometimes through services, whether it's marketing or advertising or through products in kind, supporting an event or again, an activity or a person or an organization. So literally it's getting that money from a a brand place or a person to come in and help support some kind of project you're doing. Okay. And so what's the difference between, or are they the same sponsorships and partnerships? It's basically the same. I I don't love the world's word sponsorship when it comes to things that I work on. I don't love the word sponsorship. To me, sponsorship means short term, whether it's like putting up a, a branded label of something. It's not really deep where a partnership is a relationship between people. Mm-hmm. And I love the idea of growing a relationship with a between an event and a brand. So it's long term. It's not just, hey, we're doing this event. Give me your banner and we'll throw it up. It's really a thoughtful process of how we can really extend and expand the relationship, A, to make the most out of their financial contribution, but B, make the most out of your event and how you're going to align these two things. And for your attendees to really see something concrete and have an affinity towards both things and see how it aligns. So technically, there's not really a difference in my world or in my mind. I see the difference. I like to call people partners. I do know. Obviously, I do a lot of fundraisers and lots of my events want sponsorships, whether it's fundraisers or corporate or whatever that looks like. And I find that a lot of times the partnerships are they're giving year after year. So and then sometimes they'll give for an event. They'll give money, a sponsor sponsorship for an event. And then some of it will roll over into the next event. So you would hope. Yeah. Those are good. Those are good to have. Yeah. So those, sure. those are the kinds of relationships you try to foster between, I mean, my whole thing is that I'm the nucleus. So I work for everybody. I work for the attendee. I work for my client, obviously, which is the event. I work for the sponsor to try to find a synergy between the three and extend those beyond just the immediate kind of momentary sponsorship they're doing. Where we can come back year after year and say, did you have a great time? You gave us in-kind this year. Let's talk about a financial partnership this year. Or what can we do to really attract you to come back and how can we really find an organic and authentic relationship where our attendees or the people that are viewing it see the relationship between us and and foster that. Okay. And so for those who don't know, what is in-kind mean? In-kind's free product. (laughs) So literally like instead of giving money or instead of paying for product, the brand or the company gives free product to the event, um, as opposed to money. It's usually the tax write-off for them, which is especially with alcohol. So if you're doing a fundraiser and the brand comes in and they're not necessarily open to giving you, you know, cash as a sponsorship, they might say, well, do you have a bar? We're, we're happy to give you some in-kind product. And they'll provide either cases of alcohol or water where the event doesn't necessarily have to then eat that money to purchase right. liquor. The brand will help in that way and provide the liquor for the night. And if you are getting liquor as a sponsor, you need to approve that with the venue first. Because a yes. lot of times, just for a little tip there, a lot of times uh, if you're at a, a hotel and they make money on food and beverage. So right. you, they will allow a branded sponsor to come in as long as you get it approved ahead of time. 
right. um, may charge you a little bit of fee to do that. But if you just do like a specialty drink or something with that specific vodka or whatever that is, they'll usually allow that. We've never had a problem with it, but you have to get permission ahead of time. So don't surprise them with it. Make sure that when you're getting sponsors, we discuss that. These are really important. And we'll yeah. talk more about sponsorships at your event. If you have food and you're bringing in food, and again, you have to ask permission. So if they're if they say none of your sponsors can bring in food, don't go to that venue if all of your sponsors are going to be food related. So you need to make sure that you get that in permission ahead of time because that can get real sticky and we've had issues with that before. And then they charge us a fee and it gets ugly and you don't want that. So make sure that you stipulate in the beginning before you sign the contract with the venues. That's, um, a, that's a great key point. You can, yeah. can also come in for a gift bag. Right. So a wine partner wants to give out bottles of wine for a gift bag. You could potentially do it that way. But yes, absolutely. Food and Bev, especially if you're in a venue, make right. sure you clean it with them first. And the thing with food, if you put it in a gift bag, if the gift bag has all the food, whether it was at the sponsor tables or not, and right. everyone's getting their gift bags and they're eating them at their tables while they're in the event, the venue's going to get mad about that as well. Absolutely. So, Give it to them after. So <laughs> as they're leaving. If it's, a, if it's just like a snack bar or something like that, we usually, because people can bring their own snacks to events. Right. They can bring snack bars and things like that. So if you have a sponsor that's doing that, Obviously, any alcohol you don't want, it depends on your event. Be careful of that drinking throughout the day type of thing. But it's up to you. It's your event. So you decide. They can be tricky with the gift bags as well. Sometimes we've had to give the gift bags out when they leave the event. Yeah. So then you can put anything in the gift bags that you want. But if they're bringing them out in the middle of an event and it's a very strict rule with the venue, just be sure that you talk about that and you think about that up beforehand. Okay. When should you start your sponsorships, reaching out for sponsorships? This is always a big question. Immediately. In the beginning. As, soon as humanly possible. Once you have your event solidified, the date, the venue, all the, preferably the amount of people that you're expecting or do have, it's always good. Brands and brand agencies plan months in advance. Months in right. advance. You know, their budgets, whether they're a small, medium, or large company, go quickly. If you have the idea is to entice these brands. So if you have a wonderful event and it's a month out, there's a possibility that you can get in there for some extra money and find it and have them come in. But generally speaking, the sooner you get in with a solid plan to a brand, the, the better off you're going to be. The more time they have to plan, the more, especially they're going to, if you have the opportunity to activate on site, meaning they actually come into the venue and set up some kind of beautiful activation or they have, you know, ambassadors on site. They really need to plan that in advance and budget for it. Yeah. And we try to tell our clients a year in advance is always great because it takes time to build the relationships. Now, we can't get that sometimes, but especially right, right now with doing virtual, everyone's in a hurry to do a virtual event because this just happened right. with COVID and all of that. But they are getting the sponsorship and it does feel different. And we'll talk a little bit more about the difference between how, you know, what was happening beforehand and now. But so, you know, most of my clients are not getting, they don't usually have the benefits of a year in advance, but you also right. have to think about, and this is something that you can talk more about is the, the sponsors that you're going after will have a time when they have their fiscal year and they're going to be closing out and they're giving money. So I know a lot of people, maybe it's at the end of the year. So talk more about how do you find out if the sponsor is fiscal budget, when do they close all that? When are they giving and things like that? It's crazy. So 
You would think everything's done on a calendar year. Sometimes it's not. Not even true. A lot of the times it's not. The more you get to know the people in a brand, the more you get to know a brand, you ask them. So when is your fiscal? And, And they'll tell you, like, I have 10 or 15 brands that I know of next week that they're fiscal starting. So you really, that's why people like me exist. You really have to have a relationship with brands and agents and their agencies to right. know what their fiscals are. And it really depends. There's a difference between a national sponsorship or a global sponsorship and a local sponsorship. So if you're doing literally an event that's a local event, there's going to be a field person or a regional person that takes care of that air that you're dealing with separately from corporate that has their own local budget. If your event is on a national scale, if you're having people come in from all over the country, that's more of going to a, to the actual corporate offices and speaking to them about a corporate budget. So it's really very different and it depends. It, it's, a, it's a guessing game if you don't really do what I do. Again, with any luck, you have a great event that it really, you go into a sponsor or you go into a, to a brand and you're, they're blown away by it. They really look at, listen, if they've blown their fiscal budget, but something really amazing comes in, they will find the money. They will tap into, and depending upon what you're offering. So if you're offering the ability to do something on site, if you have great socials that they can tap into, if you have marketing and advertising that they can tap into, all of those budgets are things that they can tap into to pull from to make the sponsorship happen, the partnership happen. Right. Um, and I think that's really important to keep in mind. Yes, you're not you, but the events are all about getting the money to continue to have themselves continue as an event. But in the general sense of things, you really want to offer some strong assets for them where they see ROI. Their whole, most brands that you look at, whether it's food and beverage or airline or auto, they're looking for sales. Um, right. They're really looking to connect to a consumer. Um, And how are you as an event going to help them do that? Are you going to do that? Are you going to help them do that on site? Can they bring an auto, a stationary auto on site? Do you have VIP, do you have VIP car back and forth that can drive them to special VIPs back and forth? Is there an opportunity to maybe do test drives on site? As an airline partner, are you offering the idea that if you're flying in people, do they take a specific airline? If you're doing a credit card company, are your tickets sold? Maybe you're doing a pre-sale. For, for tickets and you're using American Express as your only card holder to do a pre-sale on your tickets. So those are the kinds of things that like brands really want to hear. It's not just about great, you can pour on site or wonderful, you can tap into a few of our socials and we'll give you some great advertising on you know Facebook. It, it really has to be a crunchy, meaty, beautiful opportunity and offer assets where they're going to see why would they want to be part of this as opposed to the thousands other pitches that they get? It really has to stand out and you really you really want somebody passionate pitching it to the brand. I tell my clients that all the time. I'm like, look, this is your baby. Yeah. You know this better than anybody. Absolutely. I'll give them parameters. We at times have people that like yourselves that go in and help. But for the most part, it's it's coming from your heart. You can talk more about this than anything and just be authentic and talk about the event. Tips for, so for example, if you have a women's, all women's event, you want to hit companies that are targeting women. Like, absolutely. Right. Look for the brands that target what you do. So if you're, it's all about kids, find those companies, those, those brands that, that target children. So think about that, right? Absolutely. Listen, whenever you, and I call it a hook, whenever an event has a hook that you can tap into, whether it's children 
whether it's female oriented, whether it's multicultural, there, there's a better, A, yes, you should find companies that really align themselves with those kinds of things, but B, there's usually specific areas within those companies that specialize in Hispanic marketing or African-American marketing or kids marketing. It, it's funny, you talk to some children's companies that you would think would market and promote to children and they're not really allowed to, so they have to get around that. You know, for me, it's always about micro-focusing. When I take on a client, I look at what the event is, what are they doing, who the attendees are, and what brands are really gonna align with not just the event, but who's coming to that event. And so you really have to micro-focus and really think about and target the brands and agencies that are going to make sense because it's, it's a waste of everybody's time and a waste of your relationships. Honestly, if you're going to go to McDonald's, let's just say for some kind of ultra high net worth event, it, it really doesn't make sense. Or you're going to go to spirit airlines for an ultra high net worth event. That is ridiculous. Right. Um, it's the brand will see nothing out of it. The event will see nothing out of it. They won't come back. And it, it just, the attendees will be like, what's going on? Where if you go to a jet blue or you go to private airline companies, that's more of an idea where it makes sense and you can really connect. Yeah. And they can give you, they don't have to give you free tickets, but they can give you a percentage off, like 5%. Absolutely. And you give that to all your attendees and they're all flying Delta or whatever it is, then that's a, a that's something. And airlines are like, especially now, yes. we want people to fly. So yes. keep that in mind that if you have an event, you can offer little bits and pieces of sponsors all over the place. Absolutely. And if you're talking, let's just go back to in-kind for a second. If you're having silent auction items, so if you're doing a gala of some kind for a foundation, always think about, yes, the money's great. Don't get me wrong. Getting monetary partnerships are fantastic, but also silent auction items are really something to think about. They can raise a tremendous amount of money. They, they Obviously, they cost the brand something, but not as much as an actual monetary Right. Kind of commitment where you can tap into a cruise line, an airline, a jewelry company, an alcohol company, you know, maybe it's even artists and guitars or artwork that you can right. go to managers and agents and brands and really get these items for silent auction items and, and boost your financial right. that way as well. And also think about who's struggling right now, the cruise line, the airlines, all of those people. Hotels. Are, are hotels. Pause. Absolutely. You could get a dinner for four, dinner for six, and have them bid at a really exclusive restaurant, which we, we've been doing that lately. And it's they, so what we did was, just to give you a little tip here, so we went to a local restaurant, a very high-end French restaurant, because the fundraiser, a lot of people on the board are French. So we knew, and it had to be just local in Manhattan. We spoke to them and asked them if they would offer two, a dinner for two with a bottle of Dom Perignon and delivered to them at the oh. beginning of the event. So it takes, it was a thousand dollar ticket. It's costing us $500 for the dinner, but now the fundraiser is making $500. And, and it's marketing and advertising for them that they desperately need right they now. They desperately need it. It's great advertising for them. It's, they get more, they're making money yeah. and it's a great little gift and it's, and it's interactive with the right. attendee. So it's something fun for a virtual fundraiser. Absolutely. You, you, there's some interaction there and it's just a fun little thing. There's little, lots of things that you can come up with that. There was something you said, and I'm, I'll, I'm sure I'll go back to it, but where, so if someone is going to do this on their own, yeah. which is really hard to do, but, oh, I know the one thing I wanted to ask was, 
if you're a baby event, it's your first event mm-hmm. and you want to get sponsorships. And I know that when you have, when you have a successful event and it's been like 300 and 400 right. and a thousand people are attending, you have the record to show the success right. of the event. If it's a brand new event and you're trying to build, or it's a fundraiser and you're trying to build, what's some tips to, to help get these sponsorships? It's really difficult because you're going to a brand or an agency without any background. You can't tell how many people are going to be at your event. You can't tell them how much social you're going to have. So I would say, A, be very open-minded. Don't expect that they're going to give you cash. Be open to the idea that if they're op- they're willing to give you some in-kind product yeah. or they're willing to, let's say it's a sock company, I don't know, and they're willing to give you 10% off for whoever comes to their website. Those are things that you're building relationships. It's very much about building a relationship with a brand that you can come in and say, hey, I'm new. I'm looking for a partner to come in. Here's what we offer. Here's who we are. And they're like, listen, we can't really do anything this year, but I'll tell you what, we'll offer 10% off of a QR code for anybody who comes to visit our site from you know your event. Take it and God willing, you're a successful event where you can show them like, hey, This is, it's a special QR code because it will have some kind of your event marked on it so they can tag it. Right. Um, So that's, that's special. But then they can actually figure out who from the event came back, bought whatever they did online. And that's how you start to build a relationship with them. Also invite them to the event. Yes. Hey, you know what? I'm going to give you free tickets or a free online pass to come and view. Here's what's going on. Send them emails and updates of the programming of the event. So they just get an idea and can come in for themselves if they want to see what the event's about. As a first-time event, it is, even for a seasoned professional like me, it is very hard to secure any money. I was helping a friend on her first event, and it's an awesome event. It's a great kind of concept. It's just really hard when brands are going to ask you, how many people do you have coming? Right. Um, How much social media do you have? How are you marketing and advertising and promoting? Is there going to be any kind of ads behind this? And it's really hard and you can't expect them. And you have to understand that if this doesn't succeed for them and they put money into it, they're going to get burned. So just be open-minded to taking very baby steps with a brand that you want to potentially sponsor your next event. And you can also ask, it doesn't hurt if they will help promote the event. So absolutely. It doesn't hurt to ask. They might say, we don't do that. or But at the end of the day, if they are sponsoring any part of your event in any way, there's some interest. So well, potentially there's an idea that maybe you can give them some tickets for their consumers. Right. And say, hey, if we do some cross-marketing, right. I'll give you promote, we'll promote you, obviously. Right. But if you promote us, we'll give 20 people free passes to the conference or whatever it is. Right. And and it gives them some incentive to cross market and cross promote you as well. Okay, good. So where should you start? You touched on it a tiny bit, but where should someone start if they're thinking of having sponsor, getting sponsors for their event? Figure out who your attendees are going to be, figure out what your event is, and then go do a lot of due diligence and figure out brands that, and companies that will align and make sense. See who they've worked with in the past, look at their marketing, look at their kind of, maybe what they put their financial and their funds into in a foundation and who they work with that way and start reaching out to their marketing departments. It's hard when you're, it's hard. I would assume as an event 
person, you have 8,000 things on your table. And the last thing you want to do is spend hours upon hours hustling and trying to figure out who you need to speak to, how you're going to get in the door if they don't know you, what the right kind of email is to pitch. Definitely without a doubt, you need to have a deck. You need to have a presentation on what your event is, where it is, who it is, what the who, what, where, when, why, and how much. I wouldn't necessarily in, immediately talk about money in a deck. That's not something I do. I present the event as you should, you need to take a look at this. Mm-hmm. This is who we are. This is what we do. This is why you need to be involved. Here's all the information that you need. Here are some of the, we customize everything. Mm-hmm. Here's some of the, ass, the general assets we offer. Mm-hmm. And I would give them a general idea of what, you give as a sponsor is it supporting a sponsor and then when you get them on the phone say everything's customizable and listen to them listen to what they need to do and then talk about money i would never personally i would never put money in a deck because it could a you don't know if you're lowballing yourself and b it might turn well it's probably going to turn somebody off the minute they see any levels within a deck yeah, I've been hearing more because I talk to other people sure. that help with sponsorship. And honestly, there are not a lot of people out there who do help with sponsorships. It's because it's difficult. And yeah. if you are good at it, you're fully booked. So <laughs> it's usually one of those one of this, those two. What I've heard is a la carte, as opposed to doing a deck where you've got your 50,000, 25,000. An a la carte is a better way to go. A la carte is everything. Their own sponsorship. Absolutely. From my perspective, everything needs to be customized. You shouldn't necessarily just throw out what a silver partner, like a silver gold, those levels. What I would do is put, if you're going to put assets in, put them in one page, just a general asset page. And then say, again, everything's customizable. You want to get on the phone and figure out and hear from them what they're really looking for. Yes, they want to hear who you are, but in the end, you also want to hear, so what can I do for you? How can I make this work for you? Right. What, was it, what is it that you need that I can support you with? And then we could talk about levels. Again, it's a la carte, but it's also mix and match. So if you're offering three full page ads once a month and four email blasts, blah, 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 that's all customizable depending upon how much they want to pay. That's how you figure out what levels are. Right. You know, obviously a top tier level, whatever that might be, will get deluxe. They will get all the advertising, all the marketing, all of the on-site activations with the largest space that you could possibly think of. Mm-hmm. All of that is top tier. So in my own head, as an event person on the side, make up what your tiers are going to be. Have in your head what that top tier is, consists right. of and then work down from there. So you know what you're going into when you're presenting to somebody, what your top level is and what all of those assets look like. And then you can figure in, okay, what do they need? We can plug that in. And then, great, you have all of that. So when you're looking for a mid-level tier, you just cut that in half. And if you're looking for a lower level tier, you cut that into a quarter. Making different levels, I think, A, is a waste of time, to be honest. Um, And I know that fundraisers do it because it's just the way they've always done it. It's one of those things that they do is they, they have it posted on the site. So I think trying to get them away from that has been tough. We do talk to them about that. But yeah, I forgot what the other thing I was going to say. So yeah, I just think, and also I'll come back because I forgot what I was going to say. But going with the idea that like in your head, build out everything you can, like figure yeah. out what your dollars are going to be, figure out what your costs are going to be, and then build a sponsorship level Yeah, at the top tier and then work down from there. And I know I was going to say, they will 
sometimes come up with something that you didn't even think of. Oh, absolutely. If they know that you're open to other ideas, other sponsorship opportunities, whatever that looks like, that's always good to go in like that. So yes, but you also have to understand your own costs. So if that's going to cost you more than it is is in sponsorship dollars, you need to really figure that out quickly. A lot of times people hear a number and think, okay, great, I can do anything. And then realize what it's going to cost them, them to actually procure and produce that. Right. Costs more than the actual sponsorship level. Right. Coming in for. Yeah. So you have to be very careful about what you can deliver and what it's going to cost you. If you need to hire people, additional people in order to take care of that sponsor's needs, that's a problem that needs to be built into costs. If you are looking at producing a video or a commercial for them within that production cost and that editing cost is going to cost you and you need to build that into the sponsorship partnership structure. So be very careful when you're building out a sponsorship partnership kind of proposal and thought process and tiers that all of the incidentals, quote unquote, you've worked out in your mind. You have the top of what it's going to cost you. And worst case scenario, costs you less and you make some additional money. But like, at least you have that number of, oh my God, we need to hire additional bartenders. I need to have additional staff on site. Oh, that Facebook ad, or if I take out a Facebook ad specifically for this, it's going to cost me $30,000. Or if you have to hire a social media person or a press person to do things for you, those are additional costs that you really need to filter in before you make promises. So way before any of this, as you're getting your event together and thinking about sponsorship, mm-hmm. think in your head, okay, am I going to have to hire a PR person because we are going to be pressed? Am I going to have to hire a social media person? Am I going to have to hire additional people or whatever this is going to cost me? That needs to be considered and, and worked into whatever sponsorship you go into. And as far as the kinds of sponsorship of the event, they could sponsor the lunch. They could oh, yeah. sponsor your cocktail party. They can sponsor a breakout room. So they get a breakout room and they get, so there's lots of different things that you can do. Every single piece of your event can be sponsored. Yeah. And a great thing is that something to add in, especially in the virtual world is having speakers. So a lot of these companies want, you know, their top tier people to come in and speak about whatever it is that they're great at. So you can put that into a sponsorship package instead of charging somebody or paying somebody to come and speak. That might be a good way to work into a package. So if the CEO wants to come and talk about whatever it is, AI, let's say it's a tech conference. Yeah. Great. We'd love to have you. A, that's an asset for you. B, maybe they're sponsoring the, the, that actual talk. And C, it gives them the opportunity for their CEO or the CMO or chief operating officer to come in and say, great, I'm speaking in front of this large group of people. And obviously you want to make sure that it, it, it matches what you're that goes without saying, but some people just might think, oh, it's this is a great brand. And I really don't build a talk around the sponsor, have your talk. And if the sponsor fits in, that's how you do that. Correct. Exactly. Exactly. And then you mentioned go to the, the marketing department. Yeah. So a lot of times it never, it wasn't the marketing. Many years ago, it was not the marketing department. You would go to like corporate, the headquarters and get money. Or now you, a lot of the budgets are in the marketing or you can do both. Sometimes you can do both. Yeah. It also depends upon what your event is. So if you you have a tech event or if you have an, an art event or if you have a music event, there's going to be different departments. Sometimes maybe it's the design department that you go to. Sometimes maybe it's the advertising department you go to. It's not always marketing. If it is, you know, a marketing centric event, yes, go to the marketing department. If it's, you know, something more 
tech, you might want to go to the the social media department, somebody who handles social media there. If it's you know more of an advertising play, again, and a lot of these, well, all of these companies have 8,000 different agencies that represent them. Yeah. So a lot of times they're going to hand you off to their agency to make the decision. Yeah. But really, if you build a relationship with the brand people, it, that's the best way to go. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Great advice. So what are some challenges that you're seeing since pre since we've had COVID hit, yeah, what's the what is are you seeing any differences in partnership? Yeah, okay. so uh, people are don't know what to do. Nobody knows what to do. Nobody knows what tomorrow's going to bring. So they don't. They're afraid to spend the money that they've gotten since events didn't happen. They obviously have the money that they've spent on events come back to them, but they're afraid to let that money go because they don't know what the the next day is going to hold. So they're holding on to money a bit. Also, I'm finding that brands are starting, in the beginning, brands were like, we'll do anything. We'll do anything. We just need to get in front of people and we don't know how to. Mm -hmm. They're getting a lot smarter in the idea that people are starting to get very tired of being on screen and in front of their computer and the same thing regurgitated hour after hour. Mm -hmm. It's really tough, whether it's the music world, whether it's the conference world, like attendees are really getting burned out and brands are starting to feel that and not willing to put money into it. So you need to start being, people need to start being really creative. My whole thing and what I've been telling people lately, and especially my clients is here's what we need to do. We need to think of a way to make the attendees interact throughout the event. So whether it's holding every 15 minutes, you're holding a conference, a conference, a contest that scrolls across that they can involve themselves in. Or if it's a concert, maybe we're scrolling across requests to the artist. Or if it's a conference, maybe we're not doing like a three hour conference for a straight two days. Maybe we're stretching out over eight weeks and we're doing a half hour or 45 minutes every two days a week. Right. So it's not a conference that's your typical two day conference that you go into different rooms and you go into this and everything's regurgitated. We really need to start thinking about being much more creative in the way we pitch things and how brands can tap into these people because, and hold their attention. So the conversation with, it's going to be a virtual event. Yeah. Because I know, I mean, I've been doing lots of virtual events and people are getting sponsorships. Right. What is, what's the conversation? How different is the conversation? It's pretty different in the fact, it, it, it depends upon the brand, to be honest, what kind of brand it is. Obviously, food and beverage companies are a very different beast right now. Mm-hmm. You know, for them, it's always liquor to lips or beverage to lips or food to lips. And they're not able to do that right now. Right. The travel area is a mess. They have whatever money they do have, they're holding on with dear life. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people... Also, when you go to brands and agencies, you've noticed that a lot of the people that you knew are now gone. So they're either furloughed or they've been laid off. And you're dealing with a person, one person, who's looking after six brands under an entire corporation. And and they're just overwhelmed. You're also dealing with people who are working from home with kids running in and out. And they don't have the attention span to stay. They cannot stay on a Zoom call for an hour. Right. so it's really getting your information out there as quickly as possible, but also understanding that like they're not in a position to take as many chances as they might have. The good thing is, is what I am finding in a positive way is usually brands like to talk about, oh yeah, we want to do something that's outside of the box. But when you get down to, do, to it, yeah, don't do that. 
They don't. Because it costs money to do outside yeah. of the And not only that, they're afraid to take the chance. Yeah, generally it costs money. I'm going to get my, my shade. The sun decided to come right in my face. But while I'm doing that, I want you to talk about getting sponsorships, picking up the phone, is can you get them through social media? I know that human contact is always important, but yeah. can you get them through social media? I know we, we market a lot, but we don't tend to get people interested. I think... Sometimes we do, but can you talk a little bit about that? I'm going to get my light. My experience, and I'm just speaking from my experience, it is super hard to get somebody you don't know interested in an event through social media. It is a relationship building process. Right. Um, the way I do things is, yes, I have, sometimes I don't have a contact at a place and I don't really care. I'm a hustler, so I, it is what I do. Yeah. Um, the good thing about working for myself is I get to work on projects and and with clients that I'm passionate about. And if I'm passionate about it, there's some kind of an excitement and it's contagious. Right. The way I reach out is I send an email with the deck and a, and a small little paragraph about what we're about. And hopefully the next step is that I've gotten them so engaged that they're going to hop on a call. LinkedIn is, is an interesting way of contacting people. Yeah. I don't do it through Facebook. I'm not really like a social media guru. Fun. I hate social media actually. Um, so <laughs> In the general sense of things, like I connect on social, on, you know, LinkedIn, for sure. I find a lot of contacts on LinkedIn. Right. You know, it's a great way to connect. It's like acting. There's going to be a ton of rejection and you can't let it get to you personally. You can't let it beat you down. You can't get crazed over the idea that people are not calling you back or they're not interested in your thing sucks. It has nothing to do with anything. They're just either they're not even opening it, which is a probability because they don't know you right? or they took a second and they have a stack, not just their own work, but a stack this high of right. other things that they're getting from thousands of people across the globe. And sometimes so, you're, you're playing a little tip on that. When you send that email, don't send a whole bunch of stuff. Like don't no. full on. No. You know, a, a you to the point. To the point. And also make sure you grab their attention in the subject line. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's important. Go ahead. Again, just don't, it's, it's, believe me, I get frustrated and I do this yeah. 16 hours a day every day. Yeah. It's, it's a hard thing. It's really a hard thing. But if you have a hook and you have a great event and you build momentum, they will come. And don't be afraid to take $1,000 here and $1,000 there. Small money is just as good as big money and small companies are just as good as medium and big companies. Go after brands who you notice are really trying their best to get themselves out there and are having not difficulties, but just don't have the dollars to do it. Some of the medium or big size companies do. Right. You know, if you're holding, go to small businesses. If you're holding an event for, let's just say it's a female centric event. Yeah. Go to small business banks, go to small beauty companies, go to small clothing companies and say, Hey, we can offer you this. If you come in and try with us, we're building together. The whole process is in that kind of space. We're building together. Let's help market and promote each other and right. build each other's businesses and bases. Right. Um, and be honest. If you can't deliver, don't promise. Yeah. And don't give, oh, we're going to have 500 people at our event. You don't know what you're going to have. If it's right. your first event, you'll be lucky to get over 150. Yeah. So you got to keep that in mind, but don't over promise things that you have absolutely no idea. Even if someone said, Oh, we're going to invite our whole company and they're going to come. It, you just don't know if it's going to happen. And not only that, in the end, it's going to bite you in the ass because if you build a, a bad name for yourself, 
like that, it's going to spread. And yeah. you just don't want that. You don't want the idea that you promised something to a brand, didn't deliver. And now come next year, you're, when you're trying to get sponsors, some we're a small industry. I mean, we just are. We all, we all know each other. Brands are very particular. Event people know each other. It's The entertainment industry knows each other. It, it can get back and it, and it can hurt. Yeah. And so we're going to talk about negotiating now. One of my favorite things to do. <laughs> I love to negotiate. I'm pretty curious at it. And I don't like to take no for an answer. But how many should you follow up? How many times should you follow up if they say no? I think a lot of times in the beginning, they might not say no. And if you get my tip with the negotiating piece, and I'll let you talk about this. And I want to talk about the difference between negotiating with a man and a woman, because mm-hmm. there is a difference. But if you hear any hint, any hint in their voice that there's some way that they might say yes, or they might, there's any thought that they're thinking about it, or it's maybe, or any doubt at all, keep going. Yes. Keep negotiating. Keep talking. Absolutely. Just say no, but you hear the tone is different or the way they say it is different Then I would keep because I I like to try to find another way to get them to say it. That's a big thing for me. Relationships are a big thing for me. Negotiating. Oh, it's so much fun. No is never for me. No is never no. And since I have different clients in different kind of areas, I'll always go back in. You might say no to me today, but give me three months. And maybe things have changed. I've even had, I've even gotten emails back or phone calls back saying, please take me off your mailing list. And I'm like, I'm not a mailing list. I'm an actual person speaking to you. Um, I appreciate and respect your answer. I'll come back to you with other things and I'll go back in. Like I will. I have, I just don't have any fear in that. But yes, if you hear a hint of we're not ready right now, this sounds really great. Maybe down the road. That's not a no. That's a maybe. And don't keep at it to the point where, yeah. you know, you're a kid tugging on somebody's shirt and you're like, leave me alone. Yeah, but definitely right. go back in maybe a month down the line. Maybe something's changed three weeks down the line. Maybe something has come along and check in every now and again. It doesn't necessarily have to be business. If you build a relationship with a person, somehow you had a conversation or you had a great email with somebody, check in and say, hey, no business. Just wanted to see how you're feeling, how life is. Hope you're hope you're staying well and healthy and keeping things strong. That's it. Like that's my kind of idea. Of, it, it can't just be about business. It right. Can't, for me, it can't just, just be about business. Now, you can check in. How are you doing? How's yeah. your family? Send yeah. them a personal note. Yeah. Keep, keep them on their, on top of their mind so that they are. And if you're an insular person, if you're not good at sales, if you're not really good at talking to people or this is not the game for you. No. Hire somebody to do it for you. Yeah, get somebody that's got a big personality that's not afraid. If you seem scared in any way, they're gonna they're they're gonna be like you're. They're not gonna want. They're not gonna feel confident about wanting to. Absolutely, yeah. literally, you can put me in a room of, of a thousand people, and I'll step in the middle and I'll talk to everybody there. Where in my personal life, I'm not alone with my couch and my husband and my two dogs. Same same thing. It must be the redhead thing, right? It might. It might yeah. Where literally, you put me in a room and I will just. Mosey on to everybody yeah. and just find out what they do, who they are, what are they doing here? Like literally, it's just right. who I am. I, and I love it. I, I generally feel that people are, most people are decent human beings. If you have something wonderful to share with them, they'll be open to listening. And if they're not, I love the honesty lesson. We're not into this. Okay, great. Yeah. 
but I might have something else down the line that you are interested in. So keep that bridge wide open. Just remember that everybody's hurting right now. And so the objectives are a lot different than they used to be. I think people are generally wanting to help each other more now than ever. Our industry is pulling together like crazy and doing stuff together, which maybe not so much before, but we're still a pretty great group of people. But so we're coming down to the end here, guys. So if you have any questions, I know, darn it. This is so much fun. Let's talk about, so what's the difference between like when you're negotiating with a man and negotiating with a woman, what's, what is your advice on that? And how does, how do you see that? Yeah, I grew up raised by a man. So I'm a little different in that respect. My dad was a business owner. Like he raised me to be like, you are who you are. Don't back right. down. From anybody. But I also grew up in an industry, the music industry, which was at the time all male. Mm-hmm. So you would sit in a room and it would be all men and you. And men did treat us very differently at the time. Like our voices didn't matter. And, and honestly, like I'm one of these people, I didn't like, it got me in trouble. It always gets my, my mouth always gets me in trouble. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't tolerate that. So for me, yes, negotiating from a, Listen, we've been negotiating since we were children, since we were babies, whether it's the time you want to go to sleep at night and you were negotiating with your parents on like five minutes more or you're a teenager and how late you stayed out. So everybody has that somewhere within them. It's how you cultivate that and how much stronger you make that and how, whether it's a facade or not, how confident you are when you go into something. Right. Um, You cannot be intimidated. And I, I will say that strongly because... At one point, and I'm not saying it's now, it's not a man-woman thing. Like, I don't really care. But do not be intimidated by anybody. For me, that's the sign. Be open, be understanding, but be strong. And that, to me, is a good negotiator. The idea that you're walking into a, a room full of men who tend to think that they know more than you or potentially shush you in their own little way, I don't, I'm not shushed. I have things to say. I have a lot of things to say. And not only that... A negotiation is in every aspect of your life. You negotiate with your friends. You negotiate with your partners. You negotiate. I negotiate with my dogs, for Christ's sake, that don't speak. Like, you you do it all the time. So don't, if you have strong points and you feel strongly about something, understand that the back and forth is okay. To give in is not giving up. It's just giving up a little something in order to get something else. And thank God, like, women are are definitely more noticed now than they've they've been in a really long time. And I think that workplaces are changing for sure. Women are definitely more prevalent, have positions of power, sit in meetings all the time and speak up. It's it's very different. And I'm not even old. I can't even imagine like my aunt's 85 and she ran a company and I can't even imagine what it was like. Where for me, it was hard. It was hard sitting in a room of like male industry music people. And you're the chick who you know, yeah. it matter, but it did matter. So the art of negotiation, I, I, I find it fun. Like I, I call it masochism, but I love to negotiate. I love selling. I just love the art of it all. And the dance. It's a dance. I, yeah, it is. And I know when I have a legal background. So mm-hmm. from that, it's, you learn how to negotiate a lot. But when I first started in my business negotiating and then I'm, I'm working for the client. So my heart and soul is into it. And I remember when I first started the business and I was on my own and I was starting to negotiate venue agreements or whatever it was for the client, I would get really emotional about it. You can't get emotional. No. It's really super important because 
you need to not take things personal. It's absolutely so That's the thing about men. And, and it's kind of true. Women are much more emotional than men. Yeah, we I just know. are. I for all you want, but I feel that women are much more emotional than men. Of course, they're emotional. Men know this. Yeah. And they use that as, oh, you're so emotional. Don't. It, it is business. It is yeah. take personal shit. Take your personal stuff out of it. Um, <laughs> and, and just realize that you got to be strong. You got to not let them see. You. There's no crying in baseball. Yeah. Just, you know, you just, if you're getting to a point where you feel like you're not getting anywhere, try to think of another way that they're going to go with it or they're going to, they're going to agree to something. Um, come up with other ideas. I do that constantly when I'm negotiating contracts for the venues and stuff like that. We come with, up with all kinds of different, okay, so if I can't do this, can I do this? this. Can you, can we do this? Can I get half of that? Or right. can you give me 20% now? And if this event is successful, you'll give me the balance. Right. The event. Like things like that. Just exactly the same way. Listen, everybody's looking for the best deal possible, you know? Right. So maybe you're giving up something that you really didn't want to, but you, you offer them something else. Okay. What, how about we do $10,000 and you give me $15,000 worth of yeah, you can you know, so many different ways. Yeah, absolutely. There's no set rules in how this goes. So. Or maybe like for this quarter, let's say it's a festival. I'll tell you what, I know this year's coming to an end. Why don't you give me 20% this year and we could roll it into next year's budget and maybe you could pull it out of there and pay me a little later. Those are the kinds of things that you got to think about. Yes, everybody needs money now. I get it. Right. But be strategic about it and be thoughtful right. about it. And if you can get the money, however you need to get it, however they need to work it, in the end, it's going to work out for you best anyway. And it shows that you're you're flexible and you're amenable and you're willing to work with them in order for to work out for everybody. And if they say no or they hint that maybe, you know, say to them, so I'm, if, is it okay if I reach back to you in a month? Or is Absolutely. It okay if, I reach back? if you get, usually people don't say no to that, especially if no. you've been nice and you've had a good rapport and you're, you're interested in them. Always try to be interested in them <laughs> because people love that. Asked if you can reach back because that's usually what happens. Be authentic. Yeah. Be yourself. And if that's not a winning thing, maybe you should rethink how you approach people and approach things. I'm one of those people that I I really do care about people. And I come back and say, oh, how's your daughter, Samantha? Because I'll write a note in my contacts. Oh, likes red wine, likes Samantha. Like, Like all these little things that I know about this person at this company where I can go back and say, oh, how's your wife Donna? Is she okay? I know that she was going through something. Or send them a bottle of whatever they love. Or or pizza. A birthday card because you know their birthday's in a month. Whatever it is, however you want. Remember those things and send them. Especially on LinkedIn, you can, you know, if you see you guys went to the same college, talk about that, right? Or hey, I went to whatever it is too. Yeah, so that's always... uh, a good thing to do and then follow up with that and they'll be impressed that you're like wow she really listened and paid attention and things like there's that there's a difference between being a hustler and being aggressive and it's yeah. not listen aggressive is not i don't really love that word i just proactive is a better word than aggressive right and, and a lot of times people think pe- women are aggressive it's not aggressive like i'm just being proactive and i'm a hustler and that's what i do and right. yeah so, Okay, so if someone is looking to hire a professional like yourself, yes, um, uh, because obviously they just they don't know where to start, they can't do it themselves, they're too busy. What would they expect to pay? I know there's different you know levels of what people yeah. charge and things like that, but what should they think about for budget purposes if they're going to 
try to hire someone professional to help them with their sponsorship. For someone like me who's been doing this for quite a long time, usually, and it really depends. I really structure things around who my client is. If you're a small client just starting out, it's usually a flat rate plus a a gross commission on whatever the partnership is. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a level of, I get, this is a flat rate. And however, if I get 30% of the flat of the gross commission, I'll take $6,000 as a flat rate. Mm -hmm. Um, For somebody just starting off, I would not, I would only ask them for commission. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. Someone who doesn't really have a back, a strong background in this and doesn't have contacts that are great and hasn't really proven themselves and are just starting out doing this. A commission rate is sufficient in the time of COVID right now. I will tell you that I'm working on much less flat rate and some of the clients, if any, I've taken on. Thank God I do have some virtual clients because yeah. in March, everything went flat. I had, I had checks literally in my hand that I was about to cash for live events and I got calls that I'm sorry and I, I got it. I get it. Yeah. Um, and I panicked just like everybody else. Oh my God, what am I going to do with my life? Like, right. I'm going to go work at an animal hospital as a vet tech. Like, what do I do with my life? Um, <laughs> So, you know, we all had to rearrange what we do in our structures. If I had a really cool, super big client come to me and say, listen, we're not giving you a flat rate. And I was like, okay, I'll take commission. Like I'll just, I'll take commission. They're like, it's going to be less than you usually commission for, which, and I was like, if, if the event is right and I see something to it, great. And again, for me, that's a ton of hours without any promise of money. I can yeah, never, ever true. promise that I could secure anything. I am not a brand. I am not a budget. I am not an agency. I, I, there's no such thing as low-hanging fruit. There, that whole phrase makes me crazy. <laughs> so I'm taking a chance just as much saying, all right, you know what? I'm going to work for this. I'm going to make probably go in. It's like going into a casino. Mm-hmm. You're going to sit down at a blackjack table knowing more than likely I'm going to walk out of here with a lot less than what I came in with. Sometimes you're lucky and you work hard and the event is cool enough and they have enough money where you land something and you're like, Oh, great. Understand that as a consultant, you're not hiring me full time. You're not paying me medical and dental and benefits and that weekly salary. Like I'm pretty much getting paid nothing for hours and hours of work. I know. Yeah. who, Who is your ideal client for any of those that are listening out there? Who is your ideal client? Someone with a super fun, interesting, creative event that's open to changing themselves a little bit. So someone who, if a brand comes in and says, I need to do this, I don't want to hear we can't do that. I want to hear how we can make it happen. Right. Um, honestly, it's in any area. I, I honestly, it's weird. I work in food, fashion, wine, film, music, tech. I actually work with a lot, a couple of nonprofits. So like usually animal based nonprofits, but I've done some, I actually worked with a company with a foundation who does wrongfully convicted felons, Mm -hmm. which is a whole different scape of things. Um, And they were doing a gala and I went to oil companies and business companies that Mm -hmm. I would never have thought that I don't have any contacts in, Mm -hmm. but reached out to see if they would involve themselves because I did a lot of research in who will work with parolees and you have to be very careful. I work with gay and lesbian events. I've worked like, again, for me, it's not who I work with. It's what it is. If somebody is passionate about what they do as what I am, I want to work with them. Well, and you have to be passionate about what you're going after sponsorship. So yes, if you're not passionate about. And I'll be honest, if I don't see us right. making a dollar, I'm going to tell you, I'm sorry. I, I just cannot take this on. Like, right. 
there, I just don't see it. Like you need to right. do this and this, or you need to prove to me that this is worth something. Right. Um, but yeah. This has been amazing. I love your pieces. I just think you're so fantastic. We have got to be doing some more things together because sure. I think we just kill it. But so if you want to reach Amanda, we're putting up, I'm going to put up her website here. She's at rulerbrandedentertainment.com. And then you can also reach her at Amanda at rulerentertainment.com. And thank you so much. My pleasure. So thank good. you, everybody. Thank Annette, you're wonderful. You're, you're you. a goddess. So, yeah. <laughs> thank you. All right, you guys. Thank you so much. Bye, guys. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Have a great day. Thanks. Bye, everyone. Stay healthy.